I like to give myself a constraint and I like to say, okay, you're just going to do this and then now go out and shoot just using that and see how that constraint makes you get more creative in how you tell a story. I love that. You've done that for so many years, I feel like. And it's so funny because I think of that and I'm like, I, do. <laughs> I would not want to do that. I would not want to put a limit on myself, but I love how you use that as a way to, like you know that that's almost like your trigger for creativity. Yeah. You know that when you have those limitations placed on you, you become more creative Yeah. because you have to be. Yeah. You are listening to the Filming Life Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Holmes, founder and lead educator at the Filming Life Academy, the largest online community of family filmmakers in the world, where I teach photographers how to switch over to video and create meaningful story-driven films with confidence. Joining me is my co-host, Allison Redman, community leader for the Filming Life Academy and lead educator of our extremely popular sound design course. Together, we give you an inside look at what's happening inside the Filming Life Academy, along with tips and tricks that you can use right away to elevate your work as a filmmaker. If you're not already a member, but you want to be, you can sign up to the Academy over at filminglifeacademy.com. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you enjoy this episode. Hey everyone, it's Courtney here, and for this episode, I am actually doing something a little bit different, and I'm interviewing Kylie Patel. And if you don't know who Kylie is, she is an incredible, incredible filmmaker. She actually lives like 20 minutes away from me, and she comes over pretty regularly. So we're sitting here on my bed in the back room and just having a chat So that's what this episode is. We do this a lot. So I think this episode, well, my hope for this episode is to kind of be like an inside peek at conversations that Kylie and I have all the time. We are always talking about creativity. We are always talking about, you know, business and our clients and the sessions and the work that we do. And I'm dying for you to get to know Kylie a bit more and to learn from her. We invited her to speak at the uh, Filming Life Retreat that we did in Sydney, and she did a talk on creativity. Um, And it was just so, so incredible. I knew that she'd be amazing at it, and she definitely delivered. Um, One of the things that I love the most about Kylie, and I've, I've known, how long have we known each other? Like, Four years. Four years now. Yeah. And so when we first met to where she's at now, I personally have seen so much growth. But what I see in Kylie is not growth that looks like anyone else. And I think that's what makes her stand out. And that's why I want you guys to hear from her. And I want her to share as much as possible with members of Filming Life and everybody listening to the podcast, because her approach to creating work comes from a different place. It comes from a a creative place. It comes from a place of curiosity, of intentionality, of discovery. And I feel like every, every photograph that she creates and every film that she creates just gets better and better and better every single time. And it is just amazing to watch her grow. And I believe so much of that comes down to her innate 
desire to live a creative life and to always be looking for ways to do things differently, to think outside the box, to not just do the predictable thing. So, Kylie, welcome. Thank you for having me. (laughs) So glad that you're here (laughs) on my bed with me. (laughs) I I said this is where we'd end up in the bed. I love it. So um, tell me a little bit about, and well, I know lots about you already, so tell everyone else um, a bit of background about you, your story, and initially what got you started with photography. How has that been a part of your life? And then eventually into video. Hmm. It's a very long, meandering story. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll give you the, uh, the condensed version. For those that don't know... Um, I, as Courtney said, don't live too far from her in the Hawkesbury with my husband and my two girls who are seven and eight. And I've kind of always been in some way a photographer. It's like, it's always been, um, I've always been extremely aware of the camera and you know, the video camera and that sort of thing because it was always a massive part of my life growing up. Mm. So my, um, I come from kind of a long line of performers on my mum's side. Yeah. And so I think one of the earliest films that we have is of my grandmother as a really um, young woman when my mum was very small, like five, mm. um, they used to get together as a family because it was a big family and they would make shows and then they would hire a film camera and record it. Wow. <laughs> and so That's a big deal back then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we're talking, you know, uh, probably like late fifties, early sixties. Yeah. Um, and so that was, you know, in terms of video, that was always like a really big thing. And every single holidays and Christmas, um, my, my mom and my grandfather would put in money to hire a video camera. Like what a photo that's really vivid to me is (laughs) I was, I'm about two years old, but it's our family Christmas in the lounge room at my mom's house. And my dad's taking the photo. My mom's uh, sorry. My mom's taking the photo and it's of my dad standing there with the video camera and my grandfather holding a big like floodlight into the room. While us kids just like tear into our presents and the adults are sitting wow. there. Wow, they were doing lighting and everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's always been, you know, on there, like documenting the family stories was always really important to our family. Yeah. Um, you know, you go to my mum's house and she's got a wall that's covered in photos that date from like the mid 19th century to now it's you know she's lovingly restored them and and displays them and it's incredible to look at them and go oh you know so that's where Arnie Judy gets that from from someone that was born 50 years before she was born yeah who she never met it's just yeah Mm. so it's always kind of been on the radar and so I've always had a camera I got my first camera when I was 10 um I still have the roll of film of the photos that I took and basically like everybody's cut off from the nose upwards (laughs) (laughs) because I didn't know how to hold the camera straight. Um, And so it was always a thing that I did, but it wasn't really until – it wasn't probably until the late 2000s that 
I started to get a little bit more serious about it. I bought my first um, SLR. It was a film SLR and then very quickly bought a digital SLR because mm-hmm. um, they had just come out. And they, like my husband and I like to go fishing a lot, so I would take my camera and take photos while mm-hmm. he fished. And I just sort of went from there and I started taking a lot of photos of my friends' kids and things like that. And so then eventually once I had my own girls, at that time I'd been working um, in publishing and book selling. And I realized after that I had Zoe that I really didn't want to go back to like an office job and, you know, having to try and figure out childcare for two kids and pay for it. Like I would have ended up earning not much. Yeah. It just wasn't worth it. And so I'd started to be asked by people to, like, bring my camera to things and to take photos. And, you know, they'd been – like, their friends had started asking me to take photos for them. So I just thought, well, why not give it a go and I'll try and make a business out of it. You know, if people are already asking me, then why not? So that's kind of how I fell into having a photography business was that, you know, desire to not have to go back to work and to be able to work around the girls and be home with them. Yeah. Um, But also because, you know, it was already something that I did all the time and had started to be asked. So I'm like, well, may as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, So I did that and then um, I actually ended up going to TAFE or like technical college Mm. to do a diploma of photography. And the reason why I decided to do that is because I felt like if I wanted the business to be like legitimate and not Mm. just like a hobby, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I should really sort of learn how to... A, run a business, but B, I really was interested in learning um, a little bit of, a, a little bit about like studio photography and because I knew that there was, aside from just like running a family photography business, there's so many other kind of careers that you can have in photography. So I wanted to just, I guess, explore that and see what was out there, see what my options were. Yeah. Um, I wanted to, I guess, see where I was at in terms of my skill level and – yeah you know, what things I could build on and what I could learn. And so it ended up being like, it was a really great year and I learned heaps, particularly um, in regards to lighting and things mm-hmm. like that. And then like how to run like a freelance business. Cause yeah. all of the teachers at TAFE were working freelance photographers. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I feel like it kind of almost gave me a little bit of a crisis of confidence as well, because mm-hmm. There was a big focus on um, more commercial kinds of mm-hmm. photography and mm-hmm. family photography wasn't really spoken about, mm-hmm. but I knew that's what really kind of lit that fire in me was yeah. because, you know, that's that's why I did it. That's why I always took photos was uh, that documentary style. Like, yeah. Yeah. I used to have dreams of being a photojournalist or, yeah. you know, working in TV and film production and telling stories. So for me, I had this crisis where I was like, well, oh, maybe I should be doing commercial, but it doesn't really make me happy. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I kind of the first part of 2016, the year after it had happened, I was just feeling a bit lost. Like I was booking sessions, but I didn't make, like I was charging next to nothing. Didn't make all that much money. And the people that were booking me because I was really cheap were not like, mm-hmm. I didn't enjoy working with them. Yes. <laughs> yes. So to speak. So, um, I was, yeah, just kind of like wondering, like, 
what am I going to do? Because I can't keep going like this. It's not working. Um, it had the last few years, because when I was at TAFE, like the girls were only one and two. So yeah. they were still really little. Yeah. Um, yeah, I kind of had just come off the back of a really intense couple of years and I felt sort of lost and like I didn't have purpose. Mm-hmm. And I think it was probably, I don't know, middle of the year when um, I took some photos for a mutual friend of ours, mm-hmm. Emma, mm-hmm. Emma Davis. Mm-hmm. And um, she told me about you. She's like, oh, you know, um, have you? do you follow my friend Courtney? Like, you'd really like her photos. And I thought, oh, okay. So, you know, after I got home from hanging out with her, I looked you up on Facebook and I saw these videos that you'd started making. And I was like, oh, I want to do that, like, so bad. And so I think it was, like, the very next day at family dinner, I took my camera and I, like, made a video. And it was <laughs> not great. And I didn't buy music. I just used a song that I had. Like, I did all the things wrong. But I loved it. Like, Mm -hmm. it really fired me up because it was like, here is a new spin on these old home movies that I absolutely love. Um, And this is something that I really feel like is a calling. Yeah. And so pretty much after that, I signed up for your workshop. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, just kind of jumped into it and I think it wasn't even so much the workshop as it was getting to know you as a person and the the way that you taught and the way that you spoke to your students really um spoke to me so I was like all right this chick knows what she's doing like (laughs) I need to you know get her in like I need to see if she does some mentoring or something because I think she can like make me better kind of love it like I was wondering I was like I want to be like Courtney so I'll like I'll do some mentoring and I could do that and you know because I was seeking like I was at a point where I really just I was trying to find myself and figure out my business and what I wanted to do it was like Mm -hmm. do I want to be a lifestyle photographer do Mm -hmm. I want to be documentary like yeah worrying about the labels and right yes you know I was introduced to photography groups on Facebook which is yeah kind of like both a blessing and a curse yes (laughs) oh god yes yeah so it was kind of this whole yeah it was like my world was opened up and then it made it even more confused because I was like, well, where do I fit here? Mm. A lot of what I was seeing, you know, I was trying to shoot in a way that kind of fit the aesthetic that everybody else had or fit a, you know, a specific genre or niche. And yeah, you know what I was making, like the stuff that I did for myself was okay. And I could see I was getting better, but I wasn't feeling fired up about the, the the client work or anything and so Mm -hmm. by 2018 I just thought bugger it I'm like I'm just gonna I'm gonna stop trying (laughs) like a dead set at like beginning of 2018 I thought to myself I'm just gonna stop trying I'm not gonna keep trying to compete with all these people in my area that are charging like next to nothing and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna focus on shooting what speaks to me and shooting what is coming out of my heart and what happens will happen. And I kind of went, well, you know, if things happen at the end of this, then yeah, I can move my business forward. And if they don't, well then maybe this just becomes a part-time thing and I'll go and get, I'll go and stock shelves at Woolies and Coles or something like, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. and 
yeah, and that ended up being like the absolute best thing that I could have done. (laughs) Just to stop caring. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Yeah, like I just, I just, yeah, decided that I was going to stop caring about what other people thought and, and really focus on doing what spoke to me, what worked for me and see what came of it. And yeah. It's I amazing. Discovered myself, I guess, and yeah. that yeah. has come through in the work and has drawn other people to liking it too. <laughs> I really think that it I mean it's so easy when you first start like you are essentially emulating other people. Mm. I mean that yeah. and that's really how you learn. Like that's okay. You know, like seeing someone that's made something and you're like, I'm going to make that too. And then you go and you try and replicate it and you, and you try and make it. And that's, that is how you learn. And so that is a necessary first step. And so, but then once you get past that point of, okay, so like technically, yes, you can do this as in you can technically shoot the videos, you can make the photos and you can probably make the same kinds of photos that you're seeing sell in all these other places. But that ultimately then doesn't, doesn't equate to a successful business. It doesn't always translate just because you can take great photos doesn't mean that. Right. (laughs) People are going to pay you for them. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I really, really think that, what you're describing and like just letting go of even trying to please other people. Mm, yep. Letting go of that and creating work that feels representative of you, that you love. Ultimately, that's where you find your artistic voice. Yep. And that's then what people pay you for. People will need to, like, I feel like when I'm trying to kind of, we've got so many new filmmakers that are making films and you get to this point and they're kind of like, nobody's booking these films. Like, I keep trying. I've been making films for a year now and nobody seems to be booking them. And sometimes it's a matter of really looking at your work and thinking, are you making work that you're really passionate about? Because mm-hmm. if when you become really passionate about the work that you're creating, that flows on to the way that you speak to people, the way you market your work. And and it really like you need to be making work that people can't look at and think I can do that myself. Like yeah. They need to see a because we are in direct competition to mobile phones, like mm. I mean, essentially, and and even with video, because video, like yes, they may find it tricky to like put their footage together, um, but it's not impossible to do. And so the mobile phones are shooting 1080p, yeah, which is the same resolution that most of the time we're shooting. Like I don't shoot 4K. I mean, some of the most successful YouTubers are using yeah. their phones to yeah. make their films. Exactly. Like. Yeah. So you really have to put the work into having a really strong, clear artistic voice that is so present that when I see your work, I'm like, that's that's Kylie. I know that's Kylie's work. Um and it's the same with photography and video. Like it, it, it goes both ways. Um, and I honestly, 
believe wholeheartedly that the way you get to that is by not caring yeah what other people think i feel like you have to um you almost have to reach a breaking point yeah like yes you have to get to to the it takes getting to the point where you feel like you just want to give up mm-hmm. Be, mm-hmm. and and kind of going i i you know this weight of expectation and your own internal voice that's telling you oh you're not good enough or Mm. you know that it's that comparison it's like you're looking at other people and seeing what they're doing and going well Mm -hmm. you know why aren't I as good or am I like all of that kind of stuff you got to get to a point where you just can't you just can't take that anymore like something Mm -hmm. has to give Mm -hmm. like for and for me that was like my own you know almost mental health and it was also a a thing about not looking for validation from other people yes you know and not not expecting um not not caring anymore about somebody saying oh you're the best photographer that i've ever seen yeah and just knowing that actually i'm creating the best work that i'm capable of yes and 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 just getting to that point but it does it takes a breaking point to start with i feel like that's one of the hardest things when people ask you how do you how do you like find your voice yeah is because it, it's i don't really like it's not something that you can teach you can give yeah. people tools and you can give people exercises and things that they can do and a framework mm-hmm. but ultimately in the end it's like with anything mm-hmm. it really will come down to that experience and reaching a point where you stop caring about what other people think yes and just start creating purely from your heart yes and then you'll find you'll start to find that voice and develop it and you'll be able to bring that across into all of your work and you know not just your personal work even and would you would you say that your voice can never actually be found I feel like we're always finding it, right? Like I think it's like it's yeah. I don't think it's it's not like a set in stone thing. No, and I think people get confused too with there's a difference between your voice and and your like visual elements, I guess, so to speak. Yeah. Um, Because I think your voice, in terms of like the photos that you make and the videos that you share, it's not even just so much about the finished product as it is about the story that you tell with that product. So whether it's like the caption that you put with your Instagram image or um, how you interact with your clients, I think that's all a part of it. And then, yeah, you will develop like a visual style that can be recognizable to people. Yeah. And as you develop that and you develop that voice at the same time they'll come together but they'll it'll always change because like as humans we don't stay the same like Mm -hmm. we're always changing and growing and evolving Mm -hmm. and i think that that you know that comes through in your work and and your voice as well like you just because you feel like oh i've found my voice now Mm. yeah you know it doesn't mean that it can't be different like i mean i look at what i produced in 2018 and Mm -hmm. compared to now and it's really different there are still visual elements that bring it together the same but you know you can see where I've grown and changed as a person too and I think particularly for people kind of once you get over the age of 35 I feel like Mm. you start to have this rapid shift between like 35 and 40 where you suddenly become aware of (laughs) some life truths that you didn't really quite grasp 
Yeah. When you were in your 20s or when yeah. you had young kids and all you could focus on was keeping them alive. Yeah. <laughs> that, ma- that makes a big difference too. And I look at people with really young kids who are producing incredible work and I'm in awe because mm-hmm, I'm like... Mm-hmm. It's amazing that they're doing that. Oh, I couldn't, like... Oh, yes. I barely managed to survive, like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Young babies and, <laughs> like, having a business. There's no... Like, I couldn't have done it, and I, I find it just incredible to see. And then to see those same people, how they grow and develop as well and how their style changes. Mm-hmm. But the thing that connects you to that person that you've been following is, is them as a person. And I think that comes a lot down to developing voice as well. It's you as a person. Yeah. I'm always telling people whenever I look at websites and things, you know, the way that you describe your work is so important and, um, the way that you sort of talk about, I mean, every family photographer is like, we all have a common same, you know, we're preserving memories. Mm. We're preserving childhood. We're like, really take a moment and drill into like, dig a bit deeper than that, you know, like, and this, this ties in with your artistic voice, figure out what it is about families that you love so much Mm. like what is it and what is it that's specific to your unique experience this might take some time to work out 100% but when you do you kind of open up these like have a therapy session with yourself sit down with a friend (laughs) this is what Kylie and I do all the time yep you know really like sit down and think through your past Think about what, you know, sort of triggers an emotional response within you um, and try and figure out ways to bring those elements into your work through speaking with your clients beforehand and trying to, you know, create an opportunity for those kinds of things to happen. Um, you know, if, if like playing outside in the backyard was like one of your biggest nostalgic memories or laying in your mother's lap while she's playing with your hair, that's, I'm just speaking from experience. That was me. Um, but you know, like that's a really specific, not everybody had that. It's probably common though. In a lot of ways, this is where you're going to find those clients that are relatable to you that are kind of picking up on the, the same experiences that you've had. And then that's where you will start to gain more clients that are your ideal client, the kinds of people who get you, the ones that that will go with all of your potentially crazy creative ideas um, and trust you, you know? So yeah, really do like spend some time with yourself and write down your past experiences and, you know, what is it about filming families that speaks to you more than just video is better than photos? <laughs> Which we all know. But it's like a dig deeper, right? Yeah. It's, a, it's about, you know, it's about asking yourself a question and then asking, like, you know, you give an answer and then you go, but why? Exactly. But why? But why? Keep asking but yourself, You just why? keep asking. And, and just on that one particular answer and then keep going, but why? But why? But mm-hmm, why? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, as, as you say, it's right. Like, we're in the business of documenting memories mm-hmm. because everybody wants to remember their lives and have yeah. these things documented. Mm-hmm. So how do you 
how do you move on from that and set yourself apart? Like, I mean, even on my, like, I'm pretty sure the first thing on my website is like, <laughs> I can tell you why it's important to record your family memories, but you already know that. So like, yes. yeah. <laughs> let's, let's talk about the, the real reason why I believe. And because for me, like for my own particular business and my work, the the long history of photos and, and video that I have of my family, it was always it's it's informed a lot of my um, identity and mm-hmm. my self worth mm-hmm. and the fact that my mother and my grandfather felt that we were so worthy to go to the effort yeah. of hiring a video camera yeah. of my grandfather standing in the corner for two hours to light a room yeah. so that they, because it was worth capturing the memories of us opening our Christmas presents. Yes. Like to me, that's really important. And that, that's what it comes down to for me is like when I, when I photograph my girls, what I'm telling them is that I think you are worth being documented. Mm-hmm. Because self-worth is something that I have struggled with a lot in my life and feeling, you know, like I'm okay and because, you know, we're all weird and I'm, I've got my weird things and quirks and I get self-conscious about them. But I want, I want to show people that like they're worth being in a photo, like just because they may think that they're a bit weird and like they shouldn't be in a photo. Like I want people to know that they should be and I want people to feel comfortable to be themselves in whatever kind of person that they are. And so for me, that's what I want the experience of the photos and films to be about is, you know, and being your own authentic self and, and, you know, really, I guess trying to tip, like trying to show people that like you are worth like you're worthy, like you are worthy to be, in these photos and films just as much as anybody else, just as much as your kids, like. Mm-hmm. And and so that's always what I kind of look for and that's where, you know, yeah, that's what I use to talk. I, that's what I talk about with people. And those are the kinds of people who then are going to connect with you. They're going to mm. they're going to find you and immediately that is going to resonate with them so much more than document your memories before they pass by too quickly. You know, I mean, that's just such a stock standard thing that family photographers and filmmakers will put on their website. And one of the things that I want to point out here is that Kylie and I are both in the same area. (laughs) Like we are in the same area. And so, and we've also had really similar upbringings in terms of like our our childhood was videoed our we had um like it's a long history of storytellers in our families like we have this like really similar line of um you know so like this documentary sort of past but within that we still have such different Wise, and this mm. is why I think it's so important to dig deeper into it because we could easily end up with the same kind of website, the same kind of um, message, the same all the things, but we don't, and we attract different clients, we yeah. attract different people because the things that you offer to the to people and the value and the emotional aspects that you offer to people is different from the emotional and 
you know, the value that I offer to people. And so that's where like, and, and we really, this is what I like. I get when people are like, no, I don't want, you know, other filmmakers around me or whatever. I totally get that. Like I do, but this is where you have to just sort of figure out what is it that is different about me and my past experience. How does my past experience relate to the work that I'm creating now? Um, and creativity ties into this, I promise, but like, (laughs) we're going to get onto that topic in a minute. Um, but I think this is where like you, you kind of, you have to start at this point and then your creativity and where you are, um, bringing that into your work, the two tie together. So there, cause there's so many different ways to be creative. Like there's so many, a bazillion ways. Um, and you know, it's sort of endless. And I think sometimes that can be overwhelming. It's like, if I was to say to you, all right, go and be creative. It's like, you're going to immediately freeze. Yeah. You would freeze. You'd be like, but what do I, what do you want me to do? Like exactly. (laughs) And so, um, let's, let's talk about this. So I want to know from you, Kylie, like, do you feel like, have you always felt like a creative person? Have you always sort of had in your mind, like, did you ever like, have you always told yourself, have you thought of yourself as a creative? Um, has it ever felt weird to think of yourself as a creative well, I guess to answer that, I have to kind of I, like yes, I I feel like I've always been a creative person, but the the thing about that is that I think everybody is a creative person because I don't. I think sometimes people think that creativity is just like to do with arts and things, mm-hmm. but it's actually like it's yeah. literally not. Like yes. creativity is it's like problem solving. And it's, it's, it's thinking outside the box and, and, and thinking of different things and using imagination and, you know, like businesses are creative in the way that they make plans around what they do. And, you know, they're all, we've all got ways of being creative and we all make creative decisions on a regular, on a daily basis. Yeah. And so, you know, for me, I guess I've always felt creative and the way that I have channeled that happens to be photography and films mm-hmm. um, I do a lot of other creative things that I enjoy I like doing nail art <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just you know I mean it's completely random and weird but I find it relaxing and I enjoy doing it yeah um, but I think yeah I think that's the that's the thing to kind of know and really all creativity starts with why mm-hmm. and it's that same thing with finding your voice and everything else it's it's like asking why or why not mm-hmm. I was always that kid that was constantly asking how things work mm-hmm. like what how does it work and then once I knew how I'm like but why does it work mm-hmm. like who came up with that like who mm-hmm. said it has to be like that and mm-hmm. you know like I was oh, you would have been an annoying kid. I was a super annoying kid. Like, <laughs> how my mother survived me, I don't know. And, I, you know, she loves it now because I have a child who is exactly yeah. the same yeah. and questions every single thing. <laughs> yes. And it's, 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 um, it's definitely a lesson in patience for me. Yeah. 
Um, but yes, my mother does enjoy it because now I have my own mini me yeah. to drive me insane. But that's always how it's been. Like I, yeah. I always want to know everything. Mm-hmm. I want to know how things work. I used to say I just wanted to be a professional student mm-hmm. and like get the Guinness World Record for having the most letters after my name, like for collecting <laughs> degrees and things. Like that was that was dead set a goal of mine when I was like ten. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny because I I feel really differently. Like I've never really wanted to know how things worked. Um, I remember, I mean, because you may not know this about me, listener, but I used to play the flute and um, actually went to college on a flute scholarship. And I used to want to like understand kind of a little bit about how the flute worked but I never really wanted to know about how music worked and I was studying music like I never really wanted to figure anything out to be honest like I feel like and I've never actually felt creative like I I struggle you put give me like paint art anything like that and I'm like I don't even know where to start. Like the other day we did, I did resin painting with Emma, a friend, mutual friend of ours. And, um, (laughs) it was so, I mean, it was great, but like, it was good for me because it was like free form. You know, you really don't have a lot of control over where the paint goes. And see, I saw Emma's photo of this on Instagram and I was instantly jealous. I'm like, Oh, I really want to give that a try. Yeah. (laughs) Well, we can do it together. It was fun, but and then it, I really struggled with that, with that lack of control over mm-hmm. kind of what to do. But at the same time, like, I, I don't – I think of myself as creative when it comes to – like, it really wasn't until photography and video mm-hmm. started that I really, like, thought of myself as creative at all, um, which is interesting because I think when I look back now, I can, I can see that I've always been a creative my whole life. It's just that – it wasn't something that I really thought of or saw myself as. Mm, you weren't conscious of it. I wasn't conscious of it. No. And, um, but, but now I, now I can see it. Um, but I, I feel like as I have kind of grown as a filmmaker, even more so, it's kind of like, you have to do so much more problem solving because mm. you're like, hmm, I wonder what it would be like if I did this. I wonder what it would be like if I did this in the post-processing oh, side 100%. of things. And when I, when I look at your work, I can see where um, you are really good at asking the questions of why about a story. And I feel like that's why you, you ask different questions to what I ask. Mm-hmm. And I really feel... Um, you know, in terms of the the emotional connection that you have with your subjects, and that 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 is then translated into the film, because you, you're asking these questions why that relate to you and 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 the things that you're curious about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and really, like creativity is honestly, it's just another way of being curious. Mm-hmm. It's it's asking questions and whether or not that's something as simple as like, Oh, well, what would happen if I shoot everything at F 20 today? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and have to just deal with the shutter speed issue or, you know, that sort of thing. Or if it's, you know, asking the question of like, why 
does she do this with her child? Like, mm-hmm. what is the significance of that? And mm-hmm. and asking that question in that way yeah. to get to the heart of a story. And, you know, I know we both feel the same way in terms of, like, when it comes to working with clients and um, really the the most work is done before you even get to the shoot. Yes. Like, yeah. you know, I usually tend to – I either – a lot of the people that book me have followed me online for a long time. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. they've followed me on Facebook and Instagram and I'm fairly open. Like I'm, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. pretty open and honest in what I share online, be- which comes back to that whole, I want people to feel comfortable with me. I want yeah. them to see that, you know, yeah, I have a deep side and then, yeah, I have like my stupid idiot side and yeah. I share dumb reels of me looking weird. and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Because I want people to, you know, see, that like it's okay that whatever kind of person they are is yeah is worthy and yeah. so when it comes to people who book me they've followed me for a while so they feel like they already know me and so then it's my job to really get to know them and understand where they're coming from and not just you know the names and ages of the people in their family and their favorite tv shows like yeah when i send them a questionnaire i, I want to know what it is that makes them tick mm. you know and I ask the leading questions that will ex- that will tell me a little bit like one of the questions I ask in my questionnaire is and it's not just because I'm nosy but also because it's it's helpful to know is I say you know what is one thing in your um your lives together that you feel like you've had to overcome or that's been mm. you know a, a defining part of your story and the and, and people are surprisingly honest in their answers and they tell me things that like I would not expect to know but it's it's really helpful and then I can call them on the phone and we can talk about it yeah and then when I go to film the session I I know based on their life experiences what the most important thing for them is to be Mm -hmm. capturing Mm -hmm. and where their pain points are and where I can then address them in the film and, and and show them and say look hey Look how amazing you are. Like, Mm -hmm. you're flipping awesome. Like, (laughs) you are so cool. Mm -hmm. Even though you've had, like, you know, hard things happen and whatnot. And so I think that, like, you know, that, that kind of comes down to that being curious and really, you know, not just doing things by the numbers but getting to people and that helps your creativity as well because Mm -hmm. of that curiosity of wanting to know people and their stories wanting to know what happens if I do this what happens if I do that Mm -hmm. so last year you was it last year I think it was last year that you did your like run of yeah beginning of last year beginning of last year your, your run of portfolio building sessions um and I feel like kind of over that time, I noticed more creative elements mm. coming through in each session. Can you kind of walk me through what your thought process was as you were doing them? Did you allow yourself time in between each one to edit mm-hmm. or did you shoot them all and then edit? What did you, what was your strategy there? Um, the films, so... I do a lot of one of my big things in 2018 was to um, get to a point where I felt like my personal work and my client work were married. I felt like my personal work, I was, you know, always trying new things and doing different things and, you know, shooting, I guess, with a little bit of abandon. But then in my client work, I felt 
uh, pressure and um, like obligations to deliver a a specific kind of photo or film. Yeah. Um, And that would hold me back from doing these kind of more different things that I would do in my personal work. In my personal work, I wasn't afraid to like have deep shadows or bump my ISO or like slow down my shutter speed or Mm -hmm. hold bloody like, you know, a prism up and and muck around. Yeah. And I didn't do that in my family stuff and I was always so frantic to make sure that oh I've got to get all the things and, yes right you know because they've paid me and I've, I've I've got to give them this specific right end result and so I really wanted to at the start of 2019 I really like when the end of 2018 I was working really hard to try and get my my client work to be like more like my personal work so yeah. that I would feel just as passionate about both. Yes. And and be producing the same quality of work yeah. for both no matter the situation. Because in your personal work, you have a bit more control because you can kind of – you can yeah. choose. Yeah. You can choose. Whereas with the, uh, like, client work, you've got to kind of work with the yeah. set parameters. Um, and the best way that I knew to do that was to do portfolio shoots. Mm-hmm. And so I did a couple towards the end of 2018 and that's when I went – oh, yeah, I can see these things are starting to happen. And so I signed up to do um, a four-week course with Yann Palmer, her mm-hmm. Teeth Kiss course, and I was one of her one of the Fab Four. So she kind of – there was four students in the run where she would actually take through the, the work um, one-on-one. And so I kind of went, well, you know what, this is a perfect opportunity to set up a bunch of portfolio shoots and do them while doing this course so yeah. that, like, yeah. I could I could do, you know, I did one session and then I would have a one-to-one call with him, yeah. like, a, five days later and yeah. we could talk about that and, mm-hmm. and how it went and I could talk about any struggles and all the rest of it. And so that was really good. And and so what I had, I think I ended up doing, I think it was about four films I think and then two uh a f- one photo shoot I did one that was just specifically for photos just because uh-huh. <laughs> um and so they were kind of lined up and I did some of them like I was do- I did like a film on Saturday and then a film on Sunday and that is like freaking hard work yes <laughs> like yes I would not be able to walk on the Mondays. I'd be like, you know, my back would be killing me from my legs from squatting for 12 hours across two days. But it was also a really good exercise to a understand what kind of a workload I could realistically do. Yeah. Um, But B it, it forced me to be a lot more economical during the week with my editing time, because I knew that for each of the sessions, I wanted to deliver the photos really quickly. And I always, like, I know some people are really different, but for me personally, I love to deliver my clients' photos, like, within 48 hours of the session. Mm. And in terms of how I edit, I don't do a huge amount of editing, so it's, like, not hard to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... I was doing that and then the films were taking a little bit longer but what one of the goals that I set myself before I I set a goal for each Mm -hmm. session Mm -hmm. um, 
and sometimes it was so one of them was like I really want to focus on capturing you know the mum with each of the kids like so Mm because one of the sessions that I had lined up was a mum with five kids Mm -hmm. um the youngest two were twins and so I knew and I knew for her that like being one of five myself I know that one of my mum's biggest challenges is feeling like she never has enough time for every child yeah yeah and so I wanted to when I went into this shoot I really wanted to um make an effort to show mum with each of her kids yeah yeah and I think one of the things that is you start to notice if you look at like what I shoot is I like to get in close to people (laughs) I like to fill the frame with things and so you know my goal was that was my goal for that session Mm -hmm. was to I'd have like a an intangible goal and a tangible goal kind of thing like one was to show mum with each of the kids and to really capture at least one meaningful interaction Mm -hmm. between her and each child that could then go into the film i love that and then also you had let me your lens baby yeah edge 50 so i knew i wanted to at least spend 10 minutes playing with that yeah okay which i did because the shoots are like three hours long so you know like you've got time to go all right for this next 10 minutes i'm just going to use this lens and like see what happens yeah and that was that was basically what i did for each shoot i had one creative goal and then i had one like just you know like fun creative goal Mm -hmm. and then i had one that was based off of the answers that i had gotten Mm -hmm. in the questionnaires and 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 i guess like a pain point that i had i felt the person Mm-hmm. had mm. that I could then somehow dress in in their film and yeah. their photos. Yeah. And so that's how I did it. And so the films did take a little bit longer, but in each of them I had this little thing to play with and it was about learning to not be scared. Yeah. Like, because I think anybody, particularly with films, you there's a franticness when you shoot. Like, it can be, yeah. Like you're you're trying to capture absolutely everything and you're so scared you're going to miss yeah. something. Yeah. Um, and that's true when you're shooting a wedding. Like, yeah. <laughs> you only get one shot of that aisle. But when you're shooting a family film, there's always going to be another moment. And that was something that you taught me. Like, yeah. Yeah. when I did sessions um, when we were doing mentoring together was that, like, there's always going to be another moment. Yeah. And that was, you know... That that's a hard thing to come to terms with and accept. Yeah. <laughs> and then like put it into action and, and so, you know, when I watch you now do your family sessions mm-hmm. and what I what I say to people and I think they're always surprised is like how calm you are. <laughs> like it feels like you should be constantly filming and like running around, but mm-hmm. you're not. Like yeah. you're really considered in mm-hmm. what you're getting. And that makes a massive difference for how the films turn out and how the families are. Yeah. Um, And so for me it was, you know, giving myself the one creative thing that I had to, like, in terms of like a a hard creative, I call it like a hard creative thing. So using the lens baby or Mm -hmm. free lensing or, um, you know, using the straws or... Um, no, I'm going to shoot for double exposures or s- slow shutter speed for all the photos or whatever. Yeah. Was um, giving me myself that limitation. It was a way of, A, seeing what I could produce within that limitation. Yeah. But then, B, it was also a way for me to really kind of learn that it is okay yeah. to slow down and to not get every single moment. Yeah. But what you will get is really good. And so it's not like... 
you know, it's not just doing creative techniques for the sake of it. Yes. It's, it's also an exercise for me in terms of like slowing down. Mm. And often those photos then end up being like some of the best ones because yeah. I've got this creative technique that I'm doing and so I'm, I've slowed down a bit more and I'm observing more about what's going on in front of me. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. That's such a good thing for people to hear about and learn and yeah because I think that is it's very easy to feel frantic Mm -hmm. and to chase the moment and but if you sort of sit back and and sort of slow down and observe um just like what you said like the way that you then capture the moment that you choose to capture you're going to do a better job of of capturing it because you're not going to frantically be choosing your composition at the last minute because you've you've just noticed that moment as it's happening and you know you're gonna you're gonna do a better job technically of capturing it Um, and it'll feel more intentional and you'll have better footage to work with yeah um how would you describe so after you've You've done all these portfolio sessions. And then now you've gotten to this point where you, I mean, before COVID, things were going so well. <laughs> things were going so, so well for you COVID. before COVID. <laughs> Talk about a momentum's killer. <laughs> Seriously. Um, Kylie and I both had like lots of travel sessions booked and everything. So that's, that's great. Um, <laughs> so, but you, you know, you had this, you had real momentum um, and 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 it's just paused at the moment, um, but you, you know, I, I feel like you've really, especially in this last film that you've you've delivered, um, you have really. I don't want to say found your voice because we just we just said that you haven't. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I feel like you are just really coming into your own as a filmmaker and I can just see the amount of work that you put into it and not just with the creativity side because I I I see that so much in your work but also with the storytelling side I feel like that just is getting better and better and better with each one that Mm -hmm. you make um if you were to describe your work yourself how would you what do you think you would say to describe it? It's like so hard. <laughs> it's like the one question I hate it when people ask me. Like it's like describe that. Describe your work. Yeah. <laughs> describe your work for us. Like, what do you do? Okay, uh... I'll describe your work. So your work is nostalgic. It's colorful. It's soft. It's meaningful. And it's sort of like imperfectly perfect. Mm. I feel like you really do see... I feel like that everything that you describe about, you know, showing people that they're worthy and um, and really wanting to highlight that, I think you you really do a great job with that. That, to me, comes through a lot in your work. Um, how So now that you kind of got past the portfolio building stage of things, 
and you've gotten to where you are now, how important is you is creativity to you ongoing? So like, what are you doing to bring creativity into the work that you do, whether it's personal or client, but particularly client, maybe both. Talk to me about both. I, I really just, I live for experimenting mm-hmm. and just like... Do you see? Do you feel like you get bored easily? I do. Oh, a hundred percent. I think that's where we're so similar. Yeah, I'm the kind of person that, like, when I'm sit, like, and it's part of this is a big part of the reason why I love doing nail art is because I can't just sit and watch a TV show. Like, I like yeah. to be doing something like while I'm doing yeah. it. Yeah. And I watch a lot of TV for someone who like has a busy <laughs> life. Somehow I still manage to like spend a lot of hours watching TV, but I, I'm inspired by TV. Uh, yeah. Like, well, me too. Like watching films, watching mm, television shows, the yeah. way they shoot things, the way they tell stories. Like I'm always noticing Dan gets so annoyed with me because I'll be like, mm, they did a bit of speed ramping there. That was an interesting choice. Do you know that they've only shot this with one camera? Yeah. <laughs> He's just, yes. he's just like, okay, that's enough. <laughs> oh, I drive Dave insane. And I really struggle with um, sometimes like with TV shows that haven't paid a lot of it. Like if they're shooting outdoors with um, natural light. Yeah. And you can like, I mean, normal people probably wouldn't notice it, but I'm always like when they're shooting over this person's shoulder, it's like golden hour. And then when they're shooting over the other person's shoulder, they've shot it like mid morning with it on an overcast day and yeah. the light doesn't match at all. And I'm like, this doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> or it's so obvious that there's a big scrim over the top of them <laughs> and you're just like, okay. Yeah. 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 I drive Dave insane. It's yeah. part of the reason why like a lot, like sometimes we'll watch something together and then when he goes to bed, I'll watch it again so that I can, literally just be paying attention to like the lighting and the camera (laughs) angles and where they've shot it from and and I think um one of the things that I think is interesting in terms of like looking at my own growth and development and and how my storytelling is coming along particularly in my films is the fact that at the moment I'm I've been really really fascinated by how um a, a story is being told how a story is playing out within one episode of a TV show within the broader yeah. 10 episodes of a season and then also in a, a film. It probably has a bit to do with the fact that, like, Dave and I have watched a, quite a few Christopher Nolan films lately and he uh, has a really yeah. interesting way of, like, his stories are never linear. Uh-huh, you, you uh-huh. know. So um, I think, <laughs> like, that kind of plays a part of it. But, you know, how I'm always looking at how composition is like it's such a big part of the story like if you've if you've never seen the show Mr. Robot and you are interested in how composition can be an entire character of its own mm-hmm. and how the the chosen composition like enhances the narrative that is the show to watch mm, Mr. Robot yeah I mean it's just it's an awesome show anyway it's very confusing you need to be the kind of person that can like follow a complex storyline but <laughs> If if not, watch it without the sound on and just look at because you could dead set like you can tell what's going on just from looking at it without sound on because the compositions are that great and the way that they use color and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I've forgotten what the original question was. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, 
Oh, it was about um, how I'm doing creative. Yes. Yeah. So I guess for me, it's all about I give, I like to give myself a constraint and I like to say, okay, you're just going to do this and then now go out and shoot just using that and see how that constraint makes you get more creative in how you tell a story. I love that. You've done that for so many years, I feel like. And it's so funny because I think of that and I'm like, I I would not want to do that. I would not want to put a limit on myself. But I love how you use that as a way to, like, you know that that's almost like your trigger for creativity. Yeah. You know that when you have those limitations placed on you, you become more creative. Yeah. Because you have to be. Yeah. And And that's amazing. And I think also it, it, it helps me to build confidence because I feel like, well, if I can shoot an entire session with only mm-hmm. this constraint then mm-hmm. you know like if like if if I went to a session and like I dropped my 35 yeah well I know that I could successfully shoot an entire client session on a lens baby or a yeah. broken 50 that doesn't focus right automatically yeah I I know that I could do that and so it gives me confidence mm-hmm. in whatever situation that I might find myself in and I I want to be able to do that yeah because you're used to putting those limitations on Mm. yourself and I think it just forces you to it it does force that to you know you have to think outside of the box and you have to get Mm -hmm. like if you say well I'm only going to shoot with a 50 then yeah like if you're shooting with a 50 then you've got to be a bit more creative in how you're going to do it like i did a film with zoe not that long ago i really Mm. wanted to just do something with her yeah and it was just i mean there was no point to it i just felt like filming and wanted to make a film because i hadn't done anything for so long and i went all right i'm just gonna um I'm going to use the, the lens baby edge 50 because it has the same similar look and free lens. Mm-hmm. Like those were the two things. That was all I was allowed to do. Was yeah. Use the, the edge 50 or just free lens. And it was literally just like exploring color and yeah. texture and light and her gorgeous little face, you know, and <laughs> it was completely self-indulgent, but I feel like you have to do that sometimes. And totally. I, I know for me personally, like last year I was doing a lot of client work and not doing as much personal work. Yeah. And I think that my client work is better when I'm still doing personal work. Yeah. So I make the time for doing that. But when you're shooting your own kids and it's like the same thing all the time and the same people, yeah. for me personally, I really need to like go, all right, I can only do this particular technique mm-hmm. and see if I can build a whole thing around it mm-hmm. just for the hell of it and it keeps me inspired and then I learn little tips and tricks and things that I can then use when yeah. I do go and shoot a client totally it's definitely personal work is and shooting a lot of personal work 2018 was like mm-hmm. I was shooting almost every single day mm-hmm. um is hands down like one of the best things I ever did because it just made my client work so much better. You know, it's funny because I did an interview, um, a podcast interview in 2016, I think it was. And I remember at the time he was asking me about, um, he was asking me some questions and I kept talking about personal work and client work and, and I could feel him kind of, silently judging me like (laughs) 
I don't, I mean, I, maybe he wasn't, but I, I could sort of, I, I could feel in that moment that he didn't really see the same value in personal work and client work or didn't wow. maybe didn't see the difference between the two and um and I and I remember kind of like walking away from that thinking should I not be doing personal work or should I maybe I should should not like talk about the fact that I do personal work like it but it was such it formed the foundation of everything that I've ever done like yeah. the, the yeah. personal work that I I and and mean okay you can call it personal work even if you're working with other people if you're not getting paid for it I mean I guess essentially it's kind of like personal work yeah. because you know it's a personal project. I would consider that like a personal project because yeah. I would look at that as something that um, I was really benefiting from because, mm-hmm. you know, I would always do that with my vision and and all of that. Um, but I truly, truly believe that personal work is crucial to creating a solid and consistent body of client work. Like, and, and okay, maybe not... Not exactly in those words, but but a body of like I think it's important to get yourself to a point where you are creating a body of work that is representative of you. I think it's really hard as a photographer. Let's say you're like a, a, a quantity based, a volume photographer. And you're making work and you're getting paid. Your clients are paying you. It's just so hard to do anything different because unless you take time at the end of every session, maybe like 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And I guess, you know, not everybody has the luxury to just go shoot a bunch of client work. I mean, personal work and and not, you know, get paid for it. Um, But... It's really, really hard when you have these a price that people are paying you and you are trying to deliver something that they're going to be really happy with, that they're going to be pleased with, that they've seen is consistent with all of the work of yours that they've seen. It's really hard to do anything different yeah. during a session like that. You just can't. And then you kind of, that's how you get stuck into just doing the same thing yeah. over and over and over because that's what produces good results. I have a friend who um, shoots locally here and she talks to me about how like everyone goes to her everyone that books her is like I want that spot that I've seen all of your other clients shoot I want to go to that location at that time of day I want to wear that dress that your client is wearing and she's like I mean I am bored as shit (laughs) but it's what people want it's what people are paying for so that's what I'm doing and like she's not getting any kind of creative fulfillment out of it Mm. but um, but I think, too, a lot of people who uh, shoot that volume work, you then find that they're actually doing other things in other places that's giving them that. To be creative. That creative Only desire. if they have the time to do it, which yeah. she does not. <laughs> but I guess, you know, what I'm saying is there's there's really not a right or wrong in, and I'm not, I'm not putting down a, a volume mindset or, you know, making your clients happy. Cause I think that's also really important, but I think that even more so than photographs, video. And what we're really talking about here is video and filmmaking. Mm. It is so time consuming yeah. and you really have to charge a good amount of money in order for it to be worth the amount of time that you spend on it. And in order to charge a good amount of money, 
your work has to be at a level or it has to be something that people can't do themselves. And so, you know, find this is why I think it is so important to use creativity, figure out what it is, what your voice is, like finding out your why, figuring out what it is that you connect with to then create work at a level that is worthy of those prices, your time to be able to get paid enough to spend the time that you spend on the films, on the video, because it is time consuming to Mm -hmm. edit. Um, And it is again, that thing that we were talking about before in terms of like, the fact is like we dead set shouldn't be friends. Like if this is a normal (laughs) business thing, you know, like we, we are in direct competition with each other. We're in the same area. We're producing, you know, we're both Mm -hmm. doing films. We're both trying to do family films and all the rest of it. Yeah. But we're not because the difference is that the people that book Courtney are not the people that would book me and vice versa. Mm -hmm. And that comes down to us as people, but also, you know, like, my films are different to yours. I choose different kinds of music to what you choose and mm-hmm. I edit in different ways. And, mm-hmm. you know, I have certain things that I like to do in certain ways that I like to do in my films. And, you know, and that like that's, there's nothing wrong with that. No. And it's not. about like getting to a point where you can kind of accept that you're different. Like I, like I've told you before, you know, beginning of 2018, every time I'd sit down to work on a film, I'd be like watching your films first to like make sure I was doing doing it right and then it was like towards the end of 2018 I went you know because I would be thinking oh do I need to choose a different song like Mm -hmm. does it need to be more this and now and then towards the end of 2018 and the beginning of last year I kind of started going you know what it's actually okay that my films aren't the same as Courtney's yeah and that they're different and that like I like using like faster songs or Mm -hmm. quicker cuts or Mm -hmm. you know that sort of thing and that, you know, I think makes a difference in, you know, who we who we book. Yeah. Because they just identify and feel a different thing in it. Yeah. And you know, that that is what with films is I think most important is to kind of mm-hmm. embrace what you like. Think about the things that you like and the films that resonate. Mm-hmm. And and work on that. Mm-hmm. Find the elements that um, stand out to you that that are inspiring to you, and I, and it's so interesting that you say all of that because I feel very much the same. Like I feel like you have done such a great job of kind of. I mean, because you did learn from me, mm-hmm. and we are together in the same place, and you could have just continued to make films that looked similar to yeah. mine and with a similar approach with a similar style with like you could have done that and but what you've chosen to do is to really like hone in on and think about how to be different yeah and i love that not just because you're being different than me, yeah. but because but it's, it's an, and it's not just about being different no. for the sake of being different. It's about being, you know, finding what is true to me. Like what's connecting yeah. for you. Because yeah. if you try to replicate what someone else does for a long period of time, it's never going to feel authentic to you yeah. because you're, you're, even though like on a surface level, you might be like, you might initially start doing it because you do feel similar things. Yeah. It's footage 
footage of kids. It's footage of families. That's always heartwarming and it always feels good to edit that. And especially coming from photos to then doing that, you're like, oh, this feels amazing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to then show that. But it's like you have gotten to a level of skill and technical ability that, you know, putting us side by side, we can both produce the same level of work. It's like, how do you then differentiate yourself and then connect in with the people that you are filming and photographing? And that's where I think driving into that why, that creativity, Mm -hmm. like, and especially I love how much color you bring in to everything, like the straws. If you haven't seen Kylie's demonstration of straws, (laughs) do you have a blog post on that? I do. And there's also a video um, for Academy members as well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So um, we'll link to that in the show notes. But like, and Kylie just one day was like, I'm just going to add some straws to my to my lens in front of my lens. And like, you just add this color that I love. And I just, I personally feel so inspired by you. I feel like you make me want to be a better filmmaker and you push me to want to think more creatively mm. and, you know, it's just yeah anyway so I love having you by my side and I love (laughs) having you here all the time I'm also an incredibly good assistant (laughs) (laughs) I can stop gushing and when I'm motivated I can get a lot of work you can get so much done it's insane Uh, the other day Kylie was messaging me on Marco Polo and I said to Dan I was like she is on a roll with how much work she's doing at the moment I'm like conscious of the fact that school holidays start next week, and so uh-huh. I don't want to spend the whole time like totally. You know, I feel like particularly because the last, I mean, yeah, we were all at home together during lockdown and whatnot, and like the last two school holidays, nothing has been open, so we haven't done anything or gone anywhere. Yeah, but at the same time, I've felt a pressure to be working and doing a lot of work then, and so now I wanted to. Now that they're back, they've been back at school this term. I really wanted to like not waste those school hours and get as much work as I could done so that now I feel like I can, you know, really, yeah, take a bit of time with them in the holidays and make them special. I love that we both, we both are so um, similar in our work styles that Mm. like I'll go through periods of like intenseness and I'll send a billion messages of, you know, things that I'm doing and things I'm working on and here's some tasks for you and here's what you can do and then like... You'll do the same, but then, like, there'll be periods where we're both just, like, silent. (laughs) Neither of us are working on anything. We'll go, like, two weeks because we're both just, like, sitting on the lounge watching TV because we expended so much energy. Yeah, yeah. In the the two months beforehand, we're just like, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> You've got to just take a break. <laughs> so if you haven't worked out by now from that conversation, uh, Kylie and I work together. So Kylie does quite a lot for Filming Life Academy. She um, is the person behind all of the blog posts and um, a lot of like a lot of the course stuff, a lot of the Academy platform, uh, a lot of the Filming Lifer things and um, just the general everyday running. Busy building. Running things for me um and i could not do filming life without her that is for sure she lifts me up and she's amazing um so you have been working on the portfolio building course which is going to be going live in the academy super soon and so uh give us like a real quick rundown of what that is exactly 
Uh, so basically, it's just, I mean, we've called it portfolio building strategies. And the idea is that um, we wanted to, I, we wanted to give people a framework yeah. and kind of like a step-by-step guide because there's so many things to like work out, particularly when you're selling something new. Yeah. And we wanted to give people like, we wanted to give, make it easy for people to kind of go, oh, people, this is how I can do it. This yeah. And set up portfolio sessions. Because we would talk about, okay, you should do portfolio sessions before you start offering this to clients. And then people would be like, but how exactly do I get portfolio building sessions? Yeah. And so this was, this is, here's the course that answers that question. Exactly. <laughs> and you know, like, and there are a lot of different variables. Like it's, you know, do you get, do you get people to pay or do you do them for free? Like right. it's. How exactly so we, do you set it up? Exactly. And we talk all about that. And it's, and it's, I think, going to be particularly helpful for people who are still very young in their business um, because mm-hmm. the idea of this roadmap is you're not just going to be, like, uh, setting up portfolio sessions, but you're also going to set up systems within your you, – you're yeah. encouraged to set up systems within your business at the same time that you can then move use going forward. So, yeah. you know, it talks a little bit about um, – uh, like customer record management systems, like, you know, using Studio Ninja, that sort of thing. Um, talks about setting up a newsletter uh, or, or a mailing list at, at least. Yeah. Uh, and, and basically, you know, running your portfolio sessions like you would a client session. So if, mm-hmm. if, if this is still something that's new to you and your business and you haven't done a lot of, it's a it's really a great way to practice. It's doing these, it's, it's very similar um, to what Courtney and I did together when I did mentoring with Courtney in 2017. So, mm-hmm. you know, and you really encouraged me. Like, I mean, you showed me how to set up yeah. a customer record system and yeah. you told me how to like get a, a newsletter list and, you know, how to kind of like step-by-step work with a client. Yeah. Um, and that became the framework for how I now run my business and, and work with clients now. And, you know, sure, like you tweak things because, yeah. you know, to fit your own personal circumstances and business but we really I really wanted people to feel that same kind of handheld hand holding that I did when I did it with you in 2017 and to put that down onto paper and give people like 10 clear easy steps of mm-hmm. you know how to set up how to find families yeah. what questions to ask them yeah. and then you know what do you do once you like what happens after you've done the portfolio session right you know? yes and also to you know look at there's a couple of case study videos where I talk about like what the benefits were of doing them for me. And, and we give you options in your approach, whether or not you want to do it as a model call out or you mm-hmm. want to do it as a giveaway and mm-hmm. market research yes. and, you know, whether you want to ask people to pay a certain amount or not pay. Mm-hmm. And we kind of explore all of that just so that you kind of feel like you've got someone to sort of like hold your hand and yeah, through the whole thing and give you an idea of like how to get started to do it so good i'm so glad that you've put this together because i think it's going to be a real game changer for people who are feeling stuck i feel mm. like you know it, it it reminds me a little bit of the keepsake challenge in so far as it's like that sort of step by step here's exactly how to do things without getting overwhelmed and yep. Um, and you offer you also offer some one-on-one support that people can choose like opt-in to yeah so like members of the academy because I know how I one of the things that you know we talk about is that like I I find I think that it's really important to do mentoring I'm a big Mm -hmm. like yeah 
you know, I think it's important, even if whether or not you're paying someone or not, I think it's important to find someone that you can talk to and, yeah. and, and bounce ideas off and get feedback on what you're doing. Um, and so for, you know, academy members when they finish, like I offer to, um, you know, like do a, a one-on-one strategy call, you know, yeah. we can work together um, and you can ask me any, like, I mean, you can ask me questions in the academy, but then mm-hmm. this is like more targeted and we can like come up with a plan like yeah. for your business of mm-hmm. of how to do it or you know how you want to go about it and any questions or you know if you've already done some portfolio building sessions we can sit and we can talk about those sessions yeah and we can yeah. look at the photos we can look at the films we can talk about the experience of it and you know things that have come up and you can get feedback and that sort of thing because I think that that's you know it's one thing to go and do the portfolio sessions um but I feel like if you're not also seeking, and that's why the critique calls that you do every month in the academy, I think are just yeah. Even if you're not, um, even if you're not submitting a film to be critiqued, watching those recorded calls is so like I still learn mm-hmm. something when mm-hmm. I watch them, mm-hmm. and you know, like I'm I'm a big believer that you can always be learning. So oh, totally. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Sometimes I'll be here and you'll be recording a video and I'll just like, I'll stop my work when I'm, <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Like, oh, I'm going to steal that. Like, I think I should do it that way. <laughs> you know, like I think you can always be work, be learning. And yeah. one of the best ways to learn is to just, you know, sit and be able to chat with someone yeah. who, you know, can be honest with you, but at the same time give you, you know, good feedback that can actually help you going forward yeah totally totally um i think that is such an amazing thing that people should definitely take you up on to do once they finish or as they're going through Mm. the course um so that is the portfolio building course i think it's going to be really really cool to see how this goes it might be a bit tricky right now with covid yeah but people can still schedule things and if they're choosing like friends and family to shoot that might be okay yeah and i think i mean you know we talk it is it has strategy in the name and and a lot of that is about um you know i don't i think you you need to have a plan like when i did my big lot of um portfolio building sessions um, at the start of 2019, I actually did the call out and started doing the work and the like finding the families mm-hmm. um, three months earlier. And that makes sense because I've, I mean, I've heard people say that like they've done the call out and no one's responding. Yeah. And so, like, I would, you know, make sure that you're giving yourself time and set the expectation up that you may not get bites at first. Mm -hmm. And so, it really depends on where you're at in your business to begin with. Like, if your business is new, it's going to take some time and you might have to throw a little bit of money behind some Facebook ads or something. Or you might need to... Beg your family to share it. (laughs) Yeah. Or you might need to spend a little bit of time, um, go back to our last episode with the social media thing with Jill and spend a bit of time building some relationships with people. Yes. Um, Because if you're finding you're not getting any bites, then you're not putting yourself out there enough. Um, People don't, maybe they're not, they don't know enough about you. You need Mm -hmm. to be sharing more about you. You need to be making, building some more relationships. So, well, they um, simply just haven't seen you. Yeah. They don't know about much content. Like it's easy to sign up put something out and go 
that's it. Only so everybody few people it. saw it, yeah. even though you've got like 3,000 followers or whatever. Right. And it's like, well, that's because it was only 50 people online. Yeah. And so if you show it again the next day, a different 50 people might see it. Exactly. So it's, yeah. And I think, you know, just ha- having the expectation early on that it is going to be something that takes time is... And, um, and setting yourself to have a good plan. Yeah. How are you going to run it? And then you'll yeah. feel, it'll feel, you'll feel a bit more control over it as well. You're not going to yeah. feel like you're just kind of throwing something at the wall to see what sticks. Yeah. You've got a plan and you can stick to it and you can, you know, I talk about set, like making sure that you set set your intention and your objective and your goals. Like what, mm-hmm. what do I want to get out of this? And yeah. it's the same in terms of your timeline and planning it. Like it's yeah. not just about going, Oh, I'm going to do a portfolio session and then like mm-hmm. trying to find one person. It's about making it a really targeted exactly approach yeah because you you know particularly if you're going to do this portfolio session for free mm-hmm. like it's got to be worth your while it's got to be worth it you know your time is valuable exactly exactly this is not just about doing a shoot for free mm-hmm. this is about getting the right people for the shoot and getting the right environment and it's an investment in your business exactly and if you were going to spend three thousand dollars to buy a new computer for your business you're not just going to buy the first one you see on the shelf Mm-hmm. You can do a bit of research first. Mm-hmm. You're going to find out what's going to be the best computer for my needs. And it's the same thing with doing a portfolio shoot. If, particularly, you know, if you're going to do them for free, yeah, that's a $3,000 investment in your business. Mm-hmm. You, you want to make sure that you're like, you're researching it and you, exactly. you've got a plan and you yeah. know exactly what you're going to get out of it mm-hmm. and that it's going to work for you in the long run. Mm-hmm. And I think you probably talk about this in the course, but, you know, really looking at the portfolio sessions as um, your, like, it's really got to be your vision. And, yeah. you know, you, you're collaborating with a client to a certain degree, but you're not doing it to please them. You're doing it to yeah. create the kind of work that you want to be booked for later. So that's your goal here. And that's what this course is all about. And it's going to take you step by step through the entire process. And you know what? This is good for photographers as well. Like this could just, yeah. this doesn't, it, it's not specific just to filming. Like this is something that you could do if you, or even if you were just doing photography. Yeah. So, um, definitely, definitely. You don't want to miss this one. Do you know exactly when this might go live? I'm just waiting for the seal of approval from the queen. <laughs> uh, let's see. So probably sometime this week or next. Yeah, I like imminently. imminently. It's, it's just a matter of making sure, you know, because I can read through it 10 times and then there'll yeah. still be a silly typo or <laughs> I've formatted something incorrectly. So it's just a matter of, you know, crossing those T's and dotting those I's to make sure it's looking the same on everyone's computer and <laughs> I'm I'm gonna say by the time this episode goes public it's gonna be that's a big call because this is meant to go public tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> that's what's on my blogging schedule <laughs> okay well then maybe uh it'll be we can push it to Friday I can we shuffle can do... a few things around. Let's, make, let's make it Friday so the 25th 25th of September people that's it so now We've been talking a lot about creativity. We've been talking a lot about portfolio building. And I want to just throw in here, if you don't already know, we do this thing called the Six Film Challenge. And it is a bi-monthly theme uh, on... It's a different theme each time. And this is something that we do for our members because... 
We want to encourage you to be making films regularly. And by giving you a theme to work around, it's kind of like what Kylie was talking about uh, around like having a limitation. And um, so that's kind of the purpose is to give you a set theme and then give you some tutorials and ideas and inspiration around that. And then we say to you, okay, now go and make a film based on this theme. Um, and it's been really, really cool to see all the, fil- the mm. films that have been made this year. Like They've been incredible. The interpretations of the, of the themes each challenge are just really amazing. Particularly because you've got the limitation of the theme, but then the added limitation of COVID has yes. really, you know, like there's just been some incredible work come out. It's been so good to see. So, uh before COVID, we had planned on this theme being generations, mm. but we decided to change it up because we were worried that generations was probably not the greatest idea. Mm. Even not everyone though, has access at the moment exactly. to seeing their loved ones and their yeah. grandparents particularly. So we do still plan on doing that theme, but we just wanted to give it a little bit of time first. Um, and then, so what we decided to do was, was swapped it out with color and so um since kylie is the queen of color we had her do the tutorials for this one and you don't want to miss them this is where she talks about using the straws to add in color Mm -hmm. and what else do you you talk about Um, the lens baby omni filter don't you yeah i talk about the omni filter which i'm like obsessed with and i've just ordered new stuff for and um (laughs) i give it like a little demo so you can see exactly what it is um because you know it's still fairly new mm-hmm. um and yeah i do oh, i also have a demo with the straws mm-hmm. um so you can see how i use those and how it looks in camera yeah um and yeah just i give you a few other there's also just a written tutorial as well with um just looking at how people uh, using films as like hollywood films as an example of how color is used to reinforce the story yeah um and just a few other tips and things that you can do to to um potentially play with color in your films because it doesn't have to just be about using like straws or right. something like that it can be about how um color. you know how the color feels like one of the examples is a film that you made that was um shot you know out in the bush yeah. and so it's got a really warm feel to it yeah. which reinforces you know the emotions of the story but also then reflects the landscape as well and it's yeah. about thinking about that and then also just encouraging people to have like go nuts in premiere pro or da vinci like in mm-hmm. the light the luck yeah color panel yeah have a play, play man play like, that's... it feels like people are so scared to play around yeah, with that like what's the worst that could happen i know you stuff it up so you delete the clip and you pull it back onto your timeline again like yeah you know and i mean or do it on an adjustment layer and then you can just exactly. delete the adjustment layer yeah that's you know it's 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 you know that's the beauty of these kinds of programs is they're not yes. it's non-destructive editing it's not that's, permanent that's how i learned how to do a lot of my editing in lightroom was yeah. literally just sitting there going what happens Playing. if i pull this slider all this exactly slider? you know what happens if and that's a great way to wrap this up because yeah. we had it's talked, what if it's what is mm-hmm. what would happen if i did this so i want you to uh think about this over the next week ask yourself what would happen as you're editing ask yourself what would happen if i did this a little bit differently this time mm-hmm. and um play see where it takes you see where it takes you now uh just before we go 
One thing that I want to mention is that we do still have the promotional code COLOR, C-O-L-O-R, all caps. If you join using that code before October 10th, you'll get $15 off your monthly membership fee. And we would love to have you and you'll get in just in time for the October or the the color theme and you can do all the tutorials and create a film using color and submit it for our six film challenge. So thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> it's been very nice and relaxed. <laughs> it's been a good conversation. And um, yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening guys. I hope that you all have a great week. We'll see you in the next episode. Bye. Bye.